Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello everybody and welcome to Late Night Football. We've got another episode for you today, but there is no football happening. Uh, well, no club football happening for the next two weeks because of the international break. So we're trying a little something different today. We're doing a video reaction show. So uh, normally, you know, I've never done this before, so this is my first time trying it out. So please let me know in the comments section uh, what you think about this. And of course, please remember to smash a like if you enjoyed uh, this this uh, new concept that we're trying. Uh, definitely would like to hear your feedback and your opinion. Um, so basically, uh, I found this video on Facebook. That's uh, it's, it's from Give Me Sport. It's titled, "Is uh, Unpopular Opinion, Is Sir Alex Ferguson Overrated? So, or Sir Alex Ferguson was overrated. Uh, links are in the description below if you want to watch it. Uh, uh, on Facebook, you can you can catch it later on as well. Links are in the description below, and uh, it was an interesting video. And I normally, you know, I don't really try to stay away from critiquing too much about you know what other people's opinions are. People have opinions. As everyone knows, I'm a Manchester United fan. Uh, so obviously, when you see something like that, the first reaction is to jump to it and be like, "Oh my God, what the hell is this guy talking about?" But you know, everybody has their opinions, and uh, I'm not I'm not gonna dismiss uh, anybody's opinion of what they think. But I thought let's 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 look at this one. Let's let's look at the points that this person makes. And let's see uh, what what he's actually talking about because I thought there were some in, uh, interesting points that were made. I think some were actually made to suit a narrative, which quite often happens. But uh, but let's take a look at the video and um, and we'll, we'll talk about it uh, through uh, as we as we go. So uh, let's let's see how this goes. Righty, if I can get it to open up. So here we go. Ready. Sir Alex Ferguson may well be the most overrated manager of all time. Okay, I only say overrated because he is the most rated manager of all time. He cannot be more rated. I mean, after all, he did win 10 of these big posh plates. But what if I told you that Sir Alex Ferguson wasn't a great manager, just a good one who happened to be in the right place at the right time. My name is Tom and this is my very unpopular opinion. Let's start in November 1986 when Alex Ferguson, or Alec Ferguson as everyone insisted on calling him at the time, joined Manchester United following in the footsteps of Ron Atkinson. I didn't know that he used to be, that people like to call him Alec Ferguson. I mean, that part I didn't know, so it's very interesting actually. Yep who had just led the club to four consecutive top four finishes. Ferguson finished 11th that season before missing out on the title to Liverpool 12 months later. But that was followed by another 11th place finish in 1989. And in 1990, Fergie's side only avoided relegation to Division 2 by five points. The pressure was certain. Okay, so a little bit of context here because he hasn't provided it. So for those of you who are not aware, uh, first off, in the 80s, top four didn't mean as much as it means today. Uh, today, you know, if you finish fourth, you get into the Champions League. Uh, back in those days, you didn't. Uh, you had to finish first. Only the champions got into what was called the European Cup at that point. So you had to finish first to get into it. 
Um, if you finish second, you would get into the UEFA Cup, which is today known as the Europa League. And if you won the League Cup as well, you could play in the UEFA Cup. And then if you won the FA Cup, you'd play in the Cup Winners' Cup. That was that was it. So only the top two in the league actually qualified for European competitions. Of course, uh, there was a ban on English clubs from 1985 to 1990. So uh, you even if you finished first or second, it matter. You were not going to play Europe anyway if you were England, if you were playing in England. Um, so that's for one context. So essentially, finishing top four meant nothing unless you finished first or second. Uh, in any case, secondly. Ron Atkinson was sacked in 1986. He didn't leave in the summer. He was actually sacked in the middle of the season because he had a really bad start to that to that campaign. And the United sacked him and then they got the manager in. So you've got to discount 1987 for finishing 11th because he was basically taking over the club mid-season um, and had a really bad start or any head start anyway. So you've got to take that out of the question. In 1989 and, 99, and 1989 and 1990, yes, the team was in a really bad shape. So much so that even the fans actually wanted him to be sacked. Uh, this is quite pop, quite well known that in December 1989, there was a banner that was going on saying that, you know, you've been excuses, giving excuses for three years, you're still SHIT, and, uh, you know, it's time for you to go. So this all, everybody knows this. This is all context that it wasn't a case of, uh, of people not knowing. Everybody knew that uh, that United was struggling, and, they actually, and the fans actually wanted uh, Ferguson gone. So here we go. Let's carry on. On, and there's no doubt that would have been that under the current regime. So what happened next? Well, the class of 92 happened. At the time of the Premier League's formation, Ryan Giggs had established himself as a first-team regular, and over the course of Ferguson's first title-winning campaign, Giggs' goals and assists equated to 12 points. Without him, United would have finished second to the man Fergie replaced in 86. The following season, Giggs' goals alone were worth 13 points. Without him, United would have finished third. 95-96 saw the emergence of the rest of the class of 92. Beckham, Skulls, Butts, Neville Squared. Their direct contributions were worth 20 points. Without them, United would have finished fifth. Yeah, you get the idea. So basically, peak Ron Atkinson. This crop of wonder kids were protégés of a man named Eric Harrison, brought to the club by his old friend Ron Atkinson in 1981. And it turned out to be a move that very much saved Alex Ferguson's ass 11 years later. No Atkinson, no Harrison. No Harrison, no class of 92. No class of 92, no titles. Now, the importance of Eric Harrison's presence cannot be emphasised so I think he skips a few steps here. First off, uh, the class of 92 didn't happen actually. What first happened that actually saved his job was in 1990, January of 1990, um, they played, Manchester United played Aston Villa, I believe, in an FA Cup tie. And they had to beat them if the consensus at that time was if they didn't beat them in the FA Cup, uh, they, he, Ferguson would have been sacked. And everybody kind of assumed because Aston Villa in those days were a bigger club, uh, better, a better, you know, a bigger club. So they thought that they would definitely lose, and they and that he would be sacked. And that didn't happen. He actually won one nil, and then you know they won the FA Cup that year. That kept him in the job. So first thing, that's what kept him in the job. Uh, secondly, he talks about uh, you know the emergence of the class of 1992. That actually is, you know, the class, the actual class of 92 didn't actually emerge properly until 1995-96. So we'll get to that. He talks about Ryan Giggs, who's bundled into that 92 class. Actually. Um, that, that's, that's pretty stupid. First of all, because the only reason Ryan Giggs was an established first-team player is because Ferguson thought that he was ready for first-team football. If not him, you know, they would have probably, you know, bought somebody else or given somebody else a chance in the team. So to somehow say that, oh, you know, this guy saved his bacon because, you know, he was, uh, because he somehow came through the youth ranks, that, that's not how it works. 
um, but there would have been somebody else. Maybe not, would he have got the points? Probably not, we don't know. Uh, but considering the gap there, I'm pretty sure that the other player would, another player would probably, uh, you know, still have made a, a significant Im enough impact. But fair enough, we want to talk about that. I think I think uh, the manager deserves credit for giving a chance to a young player. That young player repaid the fate. I don't see why that's somehow seen as a slight on Sir Alex. I mean, I, I don't get it, but fair enough, he wants to make that point. Uh, then he talks about the, the class of 90, uh, you know, the, the year of 1995-96, how they got 20 points. First off, anybody knows this. Ferguson was actually criticized for playing uh, these these guys in 95-96. Anybody remembers Alan Hansen's comment about you can't win anything with kids. So, you know, basically he he, he took that risk. That was a risk that he took uh, to give these young players a chance. And, you know, they repaid that faith. And to somehow suggest that he got lucky because he played them, he took that chance of playing them. He made that decision that he was going to play these guys. So, again, uh, you know, I think, I think again, he's missed a few points. And it's, it seems like he's building a narrative around this luck thing. But... Uh, you know, a little bit more research in this would have been good, but he obviously, you know, that, that hasn't happened. So I'm a little bit disappointed with that. But uh, let's carry on. Let's carry on with what he's saying for the, for the, for the rest of it. Um, and by the way, I'll come back to this young player point later as well. I do have another point to make, but we'll make that later. ...sized enough, because when it came to signing players himself, Ferguson's track record was actually pretty sketchy. Over the course of 26 years, he made 105 signings, 55 of which were certifiable flops. For every Eric Cantona, there was a David Bellion. For every Cristiano Ronaldo, there was a Cleverson. For every Peter Schmeichel, there were several Massimo Taibis. Furthermore, that first Premier League table was arguably the most important to top. Okay, so... He's talking about signings, and I think that's fair. I think we all agree can agree that Ferguson didn't always didn't always make you know the best signings. But then that's what how transfers work. I mean, give me any manager, tell me any manager in the world that has managed for five, three or four years and has not made flop signings. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Uh, and sure, some managers might get more right than more wrong, but uh, to somehow suggest that uh, you know because he was getting his signings wrong, so he needed the class of '92. I mean. It's yeah. I mean, I, I can see the point that he's making over there. I can see that his sign track record with signings wasn't very good. But when he got it right, he got it right, and I think that's the most important thing. Uh, by the way, yeah, and you know, I, I he's made a lot of bad signings. We, he admits that himself. But uh, again, uh, fair enough. I I, I think I, I can agree with this point that his track record with signings was sketchy. But I mean, that's with every manager. You can you cannot uh, you can't name a single manager in world football that hasn't made. You know that that doesn't have a you know a bad that hasn't made a bad signing or doesn't hasn't made a few bad signings over the course of their tenures. Even Pep Guardiola has done it. Pep Guardiola made a bad uh, sign the goalkeeper. He told the established goalkeeper when he came to City. He told Joe Hart, "I don't want you." He told the board, "Bring give me Claudio Bravo." They gave him Claudio Bravo in a year. He said, "I don't want Claudio Bravo. I want someone else." So I mean that happened. So you know, all, and and uh, you know, so all managers have have that have had that situation or have been in that situation. So, uh, but anyway, let, let's carry on. With Sky pushing its product to a new worldwide audience, Brand United was well and truly established. Who knows, if things had worked out differently, perhaps there'd be a Norwich City megastore in the middle of Beijing. Now at the helm of a global brand boasting significantly more revenue than anyone else in the division other than Blackburn Rovers, and a title under his belt, Ferguson could go on to sign who he wanted, when he wanted, for years to come. Quite literally, as there was no transfer window until 2002. Ferguson was open... Okay, so this is a little bit, again, uh, the guy hasn't done his research, again, I feel, because he's talking about if they had not... 
Manchester United were a big global brand since nine since the nineteen late nineteen sixty. Well, actually, yeah, since the nineteen sixties, they were a big global not a global brand, not a global brand, but they were a big brand since the nineteen fifties. United were well known even as far back as the eighties. They were well known. The thing is, uh, brand United as such was the only thing is that the Premier League kind of gave them a, a bigger audience to establish their reach, but their reach was already there. Like you know, there, there are people who know about Manchester who knew about Manchester United even though they had never been to England. United as a brand were very established even before the Premier League became the Premier League. So again, there's a little bit of a, a not not of not of improper research there to suggest that Norwich or somebody else might have taken over if they have won the title. Uh, United hadn't won a title for twenty twenty four years, I believe, at that point, and they were still they were still very very reputed. They were actually the brains behind the whole breakaway league. They were part of the big five uh, consortium of clubs, even though they hadn't won a title for twenty four years. They were a part of that consortium that actually eventually gave uh, rise to the Premier League. So, fair enough. The, the the brand may not be as big today as it 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 is if those titles had not been won. But to suggest that it not that that some other club would have overtaken would have overtaken their cloud, some other mid table club would have overtaken their cloud. It's kind of a little bit of a stretch, but I, I, yeah, again, it's not it's not a point that's well made, I would say. But even so, I mean, that's, you can't really blame Sir Alex Ferguson for that. Nobody, we didn't know how, nobody knew how big the Premier League was going to become at the time when it did. This was a whole new uncharted territory. It could have flopped, for all we know. So to somehow suggest that, uh, oh, you know, he got he got lucky. He's overrated because you know the Premier League became a big brand, and you know, and he, I mean, that's 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 just absurd. But again, you know, that's that's the point that he's trying to make. Critical of both Chelsea and Man City's financial clout in the latter stages of his tenure, but there's no doubt Ferguson himself was out of his depth without money. His initial six years of mediocrity, a testament to that. Sure, he won. So essentially, he's he is a pretty uh, crap manager unless he spends. But then he's lucky because he got the class of '92, for which he didn't spend a single penny. So either he is, uh, you know. So I mean, again, this is this is again trying to fit a narrative here again. Um, he's either bad because he didn't have money to spend uh, and in which case if he had no money to spend he should not have won titles but then he won titles without spending money but with the class of 92 so you know which one is it which one is it I, yeah this is I think, I think this is uh, stretching a little bit I think this is really stretching a little bit Cutman's Cup with Aberdeen, but that was 1983. Scotland wasn't the place where football goes to die that it is today. Dundee United reached the semi-finals of the European Cup a year later. Very few managers are mentioned in the same breath as Ferguson, but just look at his record against those that are. Jose Mourinho, two wins from 15 meetings. Pep Guardiola, outclassed in two Champions League finals. Even Carlo Ancelotti, four wins from 12 games. Okay, let's clear one thing up. I don't think Ferguson is a bad manager. He rebuilt squads. He redefined what it meant to have a psychological edge. He got the best out of loose cannons such as Roy Keane and Eric Cantona. But I believe he got lucky. Wonder Kids, Sky TV, Graham Soonis, a set of very happy circumstances in the space of, what, 24 months? transformed him from an under-pressure nobody in charge of a once-great club into an icon in command of his own bona fide dynasty. And were it not for all those things, what would have become of Sir Alex Ferguson? Or should I say, Alex Ferguson? Right. Okay, all right. So, I mean, I, I think I agree that uh, he wasn't a great tactician and his record against other uh, 
European managers, you would say, or other managers that were big managers of that time, was certainly patchy at best. I think I, I think I'll agree with that. I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a thing. I think, yeah, definitely we all have to agree with that. But Ferguson's le legacy of being a great manager was never about tactics. I think you could literally count on one hand the number of times you would say Ferguson tactically outclassed uh, a, a manager. I, I think that, you know, that's, that's a fair assessment. I think that's a, an assessment that we all can make. It wasn't where his legacy and his strength always lied in man management and in, in the fact of making his players believe that they were better than anybody else on that pitch. That on that pitch, they might lose, but no other player was ever going to be better than them. That they were Manchester United and they were the best players in the world that they were, that who were playing on that pitch. That was that was the feeling and that was the 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 that was the side of his the, of his management that that got him those trophies and that's a big part of it. And um, you know we talk about he's you know he just dismisses the comment about Roy Keane and Eric Cantona. That was a big part of his success. Eric Cantona was a bigger part of his uh, first four titles in the class of '92. I mean, Eric Cantona was single-handedly the reason that transformed that side. He, you know, he's talking about points and all that stuff. Without Eric Cantona, none of that happens. Eric Cantona is the single biggest reason that uh, United won those titles, early, you know, titles, and probably even set the stage for the for the class of '92 to uh, learn that professionalism and that and that uh, character to have that character. He was a, he was a leader in that dressing room. Same with Roy Keane. Roy Keane was another big part of of why they won all those titles. For him to be able to manage those guys to to you know, keep those guys focused, concentrated, uh, motivated on the job uh, at hand and, and make sure that they give their best week in week out isn't a, isn't a small achievement. It's actually a massive, massive achievement that he did and this guy just dismisses it, which I, I think is a little bit uh, unfair uh, because the, getting the best out of mercurial talents or getting the best out of uh, temperamental talents isn't the easiest thing in the world. Otherwise, Joey Barton would be a world-class player today as well. <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen, does it? Um, so I, yeah, I mean, uh, towards the end, and I think uh, yeah. So, so that's that's one part of it. I think the way the, the thing about Sir Alex Ferguson, what his legacy uh, is. Let's talk about the young kids first. When we talk about the, you know, it's not easy identifying. You know, it's it's easy to say that this guy is a or this person is a potential uh, you know world class player, a talented youngster. We see so many talented youngsters even today. There's so many talented youngsters out there which were all tipped to be the next someone, to be the next so and so, to be the next big thing. And how many of them actually make it? How many of those talented youngsters actually make it? You know, it's all well and good saying that, you know, you had a talented youngster in the academy coming through, so that was easy. It's one thing to identify a young talent. It's a whole different thing to give young talent a chance, right? If that was so easy, you know, you can ask Chelsea fans and you can ask City fans how easy it is to give talented youngsters to help that, to have talented youngsters establish themselves in the first team. You can ask Chelsea fans how easy that is. You can ask uh, Chelsea and City fans how easy that is. You can also ask people how, how easy it is to integrate so many of them together and actually you know, make sure that they don't lose their way, make sure that they're still committed to the club, make sure that they stay at the club to you know, fight and win trophies. I mean, we know, we know what Kevin De Bruyne, Mohamed Salah and Romelu Lukaku, what happened to them when they were at Chelsea, right? So, I mean, it's not easy. These things you know, are not easy to do, as easy as you know, the... the, uh, the uh, I don't know, the vlogger, I guess, or the person. Uh, this person is making it sound. It's not that easy uh, that he's saying. But, I mean, fair enough if he thinks that man, he got lucky. Uh, in terms of his legacy, I think the one thing we have to remember is that Ferguson's legacy is going to be his longevity. And uh, a lot of people, again, dismiss his longevity as, oh, you know, he was in the job for 26 years, so he was bound to win a few titles. I mean, that's that's not how it works. You know, the thing is, no, the, no, the reason why he is so why he's so revered is because it's it's highly 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 unusual and i cannot think of any other instance where a manager has stayed in at one club 
26 years, 26 years of management at one club. Most managers today don't, can't even last five years or six years. They get, it's not even the fact that they get sacked. Many of them even get bored or even many of them like we want a new challenge. This guy was able to motivate himself at one place for 26 years, win title after title, still have the hunger to win titles and still have the ability to transmit that hunger to his players to win titles. I mean, that is incredible to do that for 26 years uh, and to be able to constantly and to have that hunger to build squads and rebuild squads. Because one another thing is you'll see a lot of people when their first cycle of squads end, they want to leave because they, you know, because many of them are lazy or many of them, not well, not lazy, but many of them don't have that desire, that hunger to rebuild a squad. We see that so often that teams end the cycle and most managers either leave at the end of the cycle, looking at Yuzidan, or, you know, they're unwilling to, or they are unable to, to kickstart that second cycle that they want to start, you know, they, that they want to get them the trophies. That doesn't happen. Look at Pep, for example, you know, he's been constantly moving from one club to another because he doesn't want to rebuild, uh, you know, he doesn't want to rebuild a squad, doesn't want to do that. So, it, you know, for him to be able to do that, to have the hunger to do that, that's what makes him great. That's what makes him a legend. And it's not easy to do. These things are not easy to do. Tactics get outdated. You have to update your tactics. You have to change that. And he kept doing that. And he kept winning. Literally, this is a guy literally won a league title till the very day that he left. He won a league title in his last season as well. So it wasn't a case of him, you know, lessing on his past laurels. He was actually winning stuff. Um, and sure, you could say he underachieved in Europe. I think everybody will agree that he underachieved in Europe. But you know, look at look at the facts. How many? How many? Which team in England won more European trophies than Manchester? No team in England won more European trophies than Manchester United. The only one that comes close is Chelsea and that's only towards the end when they won the Champions League and the Europa League back to back. So they got three to tie up with uh, with, with United's three. Uh, no team won more Champions Leagues uh, than Manchester United. United won the most Champions Leagues in the, in the time that Ferguson was there. Nobody else won more. No other English club won more Champions League League's titles. So and, and of course this is a majority of this period was when more than one club could play in the Champions League. So it's not a case of United being champions and entering every time on their own. No other English team, you know, that went that they were entering, they didn't do that well either. So you know, it's, it's you can't just say that you know, if if there were other English clubs doing better than United, that could be something said for something could be said. But it wasn't like he was being outperformed by his English peers. And we have seen since Ferguson has left, it's not like English clubs are setting you know the Europe on fire anyway. But again, I, that's not a, that's not necessarily a big excuse. But it's the fact that he did underachieve in Europe. But his legacy will always be secure in the fact that he took what was essentially a mid-table side in Manchester United. In the 80s, United were a mid-table side. He took them to the pinnacle of English football. He took them to the pinnacle of European football. He took them to the pinnacle of world football, even, you could say, some would say. Um, and he took them to that to those heights. And uh, he kept them there for, for about 20 years. He kept them there for 20 years. And of course, since he's left, United are back again to essentially being a mid-table side again. So that that is his legacy. That... You know, and I know it hurts a lot of people when we say United are mid-table side, but at this point, you feel that way, don't you? But uh, but that's that's Ferguson's legacy. So is he overrated? I don't think so. I think he's definitely. I don't think anybody will ever say that he's the greatest tactician of all time. I don't think. I don't think it's fair to say he's the greatest manager of all time because that is such a subjective comment. You just don't want to say that he's the greatest. But he is not just a good manager. He is one of the great managers of all time. Probably uh, top five. Definitely in my top five list, I think in most people's top ten list, definitely he will be there, and that is that is incredible, incredible. I mean, the you know talking, you know, there's 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 lots of things that the person talked about. Many of those things could be levied at any manager, and I put this in a comment, you know, earlier on social media as well. Look at you know talk about somebody being lucky, being at the right place in the at the right time. Talk about somebody getting lucky with academy players. Talk about somebody who had a very patchy track track record signing players. Do you you know if you command DC, that's Pep Guardiola as well. At uh, you know, talk, you know, you could you could make a case for Pep Guardiola as well. 
to be the same way. Uh, so is is he is he uh, overrated now? Right. I mean that's the question to ask, right? So and I'm not implying this guy is a city fan. I don't know if he's a city fan, but I'm not implying that. But I'm just saying, you know, that's yeah, every every in hindsight everything looks like a perfect set of circumstances. When you go back in hindsight, you can always make uh, things fit a narrative. Right. The thing is, when you're in that situation, you don't know how things are going to play out. You just don't know. In hindsight, you could say, oh, yeah, he was lucky because this happened. But we don't know that in, in situation. We don't know that today we look at the coronavirus and we say, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, not trying to dismiss it, but we might say it's the worst thing to ever happen to the world. Uh, you know, 20 years from now, some some buggers probably going to say, oh, you know, this club was lucky that the coronavirus happened. They got lucky with it. I mean, you know, so. We just we just never know in the situation. It's always easy to look back. But anyway, that is my opinion on the matter. Uh, please smash a like and uh, share if you found this interesting. If you want to uh, get other people's opinions on it as well, please remember to subscribe so you can get notified about such videos that we do. And also let me know in the comment section what you thought about this uh, video and about my reaction to it. I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Uh, thank you so much. Have a good day. And uh, we will see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.